the Midtown Detroit studios of WDET. This is Detroit Today. Maybe the most surprising news in recent weeks. Amazon workers in Staten Island, New York, led by a man who was fired by the company, have created the first Amazon labor union. Huge victory for the individual workers involved, but it's also one of labor's biggest wins in recent history. Is this a sign of things to come for Amazon? And more important, what does it mean for the labor movement itself? We'll talk about it all next on Detroit Today. But first, the news from NPR. jobs anymore and you know this is a prime example of, of the power that people have when they come together good day everyone and welcome to detroit today on 1019 wdet i'm stephen henderson and as always thanks for tuning in we went for the jugular and we went for the top dog and we came away with one of the biggest organized labor victories in the last half century. You heard the voice of organizer Chris Smalls after workers at the Amazon warehouse voted to form Amazon's very first union. Now, more than 5,000 workers voted, and the new Amazon labor union won by about 500 votes. So it was pretty close. But that win comes despite a massive anti-union campaign by Amazon itself. Think of the money, of the power that a company like Amazon has and the way it wields its, its influence all over our nation, all over the world. But in this case, Amazon came up short. It's a David versus Goliath story that has already really inspired other workers across the country to consider whether they should be organizing to get better conditions, better compensation, more respect from their employers. And this comes amid several other high-profile attempts to unionize, including right here in southeast Michigan, where coffee shop workers just around the corner from us here at WDET have formed picket lines to demand better treatment and pay at Great Lakes Coffee. So what does all this mean? for the future of organized labor across the United States. Are these one-offs that are about tensions between one company and its employees, or a few companies and their employees, or is this kind of a rejuvenation of the very idea of labor unions, of organizing to make sure that employees are treated better? Think about where we are right now with the state of work in our country. After the pandemic, I think lots and lots of people have really sat and thought more deeply about what work means, how dedicated they want or can be to their work, 
and whether they can do better. Is this new energy behind organizing a sign of that? Is it a sign of a longer trend that is about focusing on worker rights and respect? That's where we begin the conversation today. And we've got two great guests with us to talk about what happened at Amazon and what it means. Stephen Greenhouse is a senior fellow at the Century Foundation, author of the book Beaten Down, Worked Up, The Past, Present, and Future of American Labor. And he wrote a piece in The Atlantic this week titled, Is Organized Labor Making a Comeback? Stephen Greenhouse, welcome to Detroit Today. Very nice to be here, Steve. Also with us is Merrick Masters. He is chair of the Department of Finance and chair of the Department of Accounting at Wayne State University's Mike Illich School of Business. And he is one of the great uh, local experts we have on organized labor. Merrick Masters, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. So I just want to start with the, the headline here. Uh, you know, uh, this this uh, group of workers in Staten Island, New York, has formed the very first union uh, to to represent workers for Amazon. Stephen Greenhouse, how big a deal uh, was this vote? I think it's a very big deal. I, I've you know I've seen some people say that this is the in ways the most influential union win since back in 1937, up the road for you from you in Flint, Michigan where as a result of a historic sit-down strike, uh, workers organized GM, which was then the nation's largest company and very anti-union. So this victory, you know, at a warehouse, an, Am you know, at an Amazon warehouse with over 8,000 workers is a big deal, partly because, you know, Amazon is such an iconic company. It has a million workers in the U.S. Second, it's, you know, arguably the best known of most the fiercest anti-union company in the United States. And this small little union took on this $470 billion giant and won. And I really think this is sending, you know, shockwaves across corporate America. They're worried that, wow, if Amazon isn't uh, invulnerable to unions, maybe we're not either. And it certainly also has inspired many workers to think, wow, if, if, if you know, the lead organizer, Christian Smalls, a fired Amazon worker, and, and, you know, two dozen other work organizers can organize this behemoth. Well, maybe we can do it as well. And I see that Kristen Smalls was saying today that workers at 50 other Amazon warehouses uh, have contacted him eager to unionize. And, and Smalls said, if I can lead us to victory over Amazon, what's stopping anybody in this country from organizing their workplace? Nothing. Hmm. Uh, Merrick Masters, that's a heck of a comparison between this to the Flint sit down, the Flint sit down strike uh, that that organized General Motors uh, nearly a century ago. Here, uh, of, of course, in Southeast Michigan, that is kind of ground zero for the idea of labor, organized labor, and the power that it that it grows to. Certainly, in the middle uh, and and part of the late part of the 20th century. Are, are, you, are you cool with that comparison? Do you think that this is, uh, this is maybe in the same category? I think it's an appropriate comparison. I think that the victory at Amazon was symbolically and substantively important. I think it reflects that there is a <clears throat> large untapped desire for 
worker representation and that they found a recipe at Amazon through the union that is represented by Chris Smalls um, to take advantage of that. Um, I think it's a, a, a long way ahead before labor can um, capture the glory of the past, but this is certainly a significant step in that direction. So uh, we we saw this take shape around a, a central figure, this this Chris Smalls, who was fired from the Amazon warehouse nearly two years ago. Um, let's talk about the the grassroots, I guess, nature of this and why that's important and why I guess it was successful against this incredible. Uh, spend by Amazon and the, the the incredible power that Amazon has. I mean, David and Goliath, I think, is is the kind of immediate reference that 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 you think of. Um, but but this idea of the grassroots nature of labor organizing, I think, is a little different than what we have seen um, in many other cases where we've had close close unionization votes or or. Um, or, or defeats. There's there's something about this that looks different to me, Stephen Greenhouse. Yes, uh, you know, very much so, Steve. So Kristen Smalls, New Jersey native, uh, he uh, finished high school, started community college, didn't finish. He decided he wanted to be a rapper. That didn't work out. And he said, you know, how am I going to make a living? I have kids to support. So he went to work for Amazon he was a terrific Amazon worker. He always exceeded the very, very, very tough quotas. And lo and behold, COVID came, and he led a protest at the Staten Island warehouse saying that Amazon wasn't doing nearly enough to protect workers against COVID, uh, that workers were bunched together in the lunchroom, that they weren't giving enough PPE, that when one's coworker next door you know, contracted COVID, Amazon wasn't telling you. So he led this protest of a few dozen workers, and he got fired. Amazon said he was violating social distancing rules. And, you know, Kristen Smalls was pissed off. And he thought, you know, we have to do something to make Amazon a better workplace. And, and you know, Amazon boasts, you know, Jeff Bezos boasts that we're going to make Amazon the world Earth's best employer. Mm-hmm. Yet Amazon is such an awful place to work that the average worker leaves after eight months, which is like one-sixth the average for American workers. So, Christian uh, Smalls and his best friend, Derek Palmer, a fellow Amazon warehouse worker in Staten Island, created this new independent union, not part of any other union. And, and they thought, well, you know, another union was recently unsuccessful in unionizing uh, Amazon the, down in Alabama. We're going to be different. We're going to show that we are a union of Amazon workers for Amazon workers and by Amazon workers. We bleed like Amazon workers. We know what concerns you. We know what's wrong with Amazon, and we know how to make things better. And clearly, Steve, that idea, that message resonated with a lot of the workers in Staten Island. So first, you know, Christian uh, Smalls and Derek Palmer got two dozen fellow workers to agree to be very involved, and then it really snowballed. They reached out to hundreds and then to thousands of workers, you know, an African, an organizer was an African immigrant, you know, reached out to the hundreds of other African immigrants who work there. The Latinas you know, reached out to many, you know, you know, fellow Latino workers. 
and and you know it was really an expert operation and they figured out how to outmaneuver and outsmart the so-called union busting consultants there and it really is a david and goliath success you know you know i was a covered labor for the new york times for 20 years i've been writing about labor issues for nearly 30 years maybe i haven't followed labor as long as the great professor masters but to my mind you know, this is the most important union victory you know in the past three decades now whether it will be as influential as as you know the the uh flint victory in 1937 probably not because back in 37 it was the great depression uh, a lot of workers were really primed jazzed eager to have change and walk out and unionize now there isn't the same kind of consciousness among workers and and and, and corporations have become i would submit far far more anti-union, far, mm-hmm. far more sophisticated in knowing how to fight unions. Yet, uh, Kristen Smalls and Derek Palmer and their allies managed, you know, successfully unionized, you know, the most ferocious anti-union company in the country. Yeah. Uh, Merrick Masters, um, I, I want to have you also talk about this this kind of grassroots um, organizing that, that Chris Smalls uh, engaged in and I guess where that fits in in history I think those of us who were born at the latter half or the late part of the 20th century are much more accustomed to the idea of unions uh, as institutional powers uh, the UAW uh, ask me um, you know IBEW we think of of them as rivals to to, to companies even though they are uh, often, Weaker and 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 somewhat smaller, and of course not as as wealthy, but this this kind of grassroots person to person worker to worker organizing uh, has a history too, and and this is kind of a throwback as much as it is just a departure from um, uh, from what we have been used to, maybe over the past few decades. Well, I think that's true. Uh, I would contrast it to what has become more common recently as what I call the helicopter union organizing approach in which a uh, established institution like the United Auto Workers or the Steel Workers uh, attempt to come in and organize a facility in a particular locality. And while they may bring a lot of talent with them among the individuals who are there, they also bring a lot of baggage. But I think uh, Steve hit on something very, very important here that shouldn't be overlooked. And that is really the the genius behind Chris Small's effort. It is a Herculean task to organize a large warehouse Mm -hmm. in a firm with massive uh, anti-unionism and the resources to fight a union organizing effort. And he put all of it together Uh, in a way that I think maintained its grassroots orientation and also communicated directly with the people. He speaks directly to those people in their language. Um, He doesn't speak above them. Um, He doesn't speak in grandiose terms. He's talking about a struggle. And also it's very personal for him. And, And I think what he shares in common with the people that played such a fundamental role in Flint, Michigan, is that he's on the front line. He's taken the hits. He's taken risks. Uh, And I, you know, 
history of union organizing in the United States is a very difficult one, mm -hmm. and it's been uh, shredded with violence at certain periods of time. It tends not to be so much that way today, but there is a more subtle form of violence that goes on in which people are fired, uh, in which people are marginalized, in which their economic life is disrupted. And I really think that it's a heroic effort and it, it's really the model that I think can prove effective uh, going forward. If uh, you have the right kind of leaders like Chris Malls to really take the initiative and push things in a clear direction <clears throat> with the uh, willingness to put themselves on the line. Okay, when we come back, we are going to continue this conversation about the unionization of workers at the Staten Island Amazon warehouse, uh, how it fits into the context of the labor movement, maybe the rejuvenation of labor and organizing here in the United States. We're gonna to wanna to hear from you as well. Uh, what's your reaction to this attempt to form the first union for Amazon workers. Do you think it signals a new opportunity to grow unions and empower workers who have been long taken advantage of by corporations? Or do you think this is maybe just a blip? Do you think we should have uh, more unions in America, but that that time maybe has passed and uh, that workers don't identify uh, the way that they used to with each other? Also give us a call and tell us uh, your own experiences, your own workplace experiences during the pandemic and after, how are you thinking differently about work and your job, your bosses, uh, your co-workers? I think we're in the middle of a real transition there that uh, we'd love to hear about. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to Facebook and Twitter for comments there and we'll work you into the conversation. We'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We're talking this hour about the successful unionizing attempt by Amazon workers on Staten Island. It is the first successful unionizing attempt for Amazon, one of the planet's largest uh, corporations, certainly one of the most powerful. Uh, influences. Uh, we're talking about what it means to Amazon to now have to negotiate with the union for the way that it compensates and treats its employees uh, at that warehouse, but also how this fits into the larger context of labor and the labor movement. Uh, labor really has been on the ropes for a long time in our country, um, and some people believe that this may be a signal of it uh, getting off those ropes, being able to be more of a force uh, in, in the American economy, uh, represent more people, and get better outcomes for workers. Uh, we want to hear what you think as well. Uh, what do you make of uh, this win by a union in Staten Island for Amazon workers? What do you make of uh, the state of the labor movement? Do you think this is a sign of it? really being rejuvenated uh, and that uh, we may see 
more kinds of grassroot or grassroots organizing like we did uh, in Staten Island. Uh, also give us a call and let us know how you're thinking about your work and your workplace. I think uh, during the pandemic and now slightly after, you know, a lot of us are really thinking very differently about the role that work plays in our lives, uh, the role we want to play in the workplace, the way that we relate to our employers, uh, our fellow employees. Um, how has that changed for you? And are things like unions something that maybe appeal to you in a way that they didn't before? Uh, are you maybe somebody who thinks, hey, maybe we don't need uh, organized labor to make sure that uh, workers are taken care of. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page or to Twitter and put comments there, uh, and we can work you into the conversation that way. Uh, I want to start with this uh, social media comment. Uh, a listener on Twitter says, I'd love to hear uh, our guest thoughts on the two primary reasons for the decline in unionization in the United States, opposition and interference by employers and bosses, and the weakness or non-enforcement of labor laws uh, by government. Merrick Masters, uh, I'll give you a first crack at talking about that. Well, I think those are two very important contributors, and they're exacerbated by certain structural trends, such as the exporting of jobs as a result of uh, trade agreements that have encouraged companies to relocate facilities elsewhere. Um, so I really think that there needs to be some careful look at reforming labor law. I, it's called the PRO Act today, Protecting the Right to Organize Act. I think that it has certain provisions in there which facilitate organizing, increase the penalties for violating workers' rights, and also have provisions to ensure that once a, a union is organized and representing employees, it's able to get a first contract. I think that would be an important step in the right direction. But I think what the case at Amazon and what you're also witnessing at Starbucks um, is, is showing is that it's doable without that change and that you don't want to wait for that change in order to take advantage of this moment. I would say now is the time to seize the moment and for uh, people to, in labor to take a hard look at how they can um, get um, other workers at other facilities in Amazon, other local leaders um, to emulate what Chris Smalls has done. And if they were able to organize you know 50 or more of the facilities at amazon that that would be a transformational i think achievement that would really have an exponential effect on union organizing in the united states mm. uh, uh stephen greenhouse we have uh, another listener who says that part of the problem uh, has been union weakness that uh, that unions have not had the urgency or the militancy needed to meet the moment. Uh, is, is that another reason that workers have kind of fallen away from, from organizing? Yes, it is. Uh, to follow up on what Professor Master said, you know, you know he's absolutely right, you know, that uh, you know, corporations are, you know, fight very hard against unions. You know, in my book, Beaten Down, Work Up, I explained that, you know, I used to be the New York Times economics correspondent in Europe, and I 
wrote about companies in France and Britain and Germany and Italy and Scandinavia and Spain. And companies there, you know, work with unions. They see unions as partners. They don't hate unions. They see unions as someone you work with to build, you know, a more profitable, more prosperous company. Here in the U.S., in contrast, you know, companies, I think, fight harder against unions than in any other industrial nation. And here in the U.S., many companies see unions not as a social partner that you cooperate with, but the enemy that you need to stamp out, kill, eliminate. So, you know, companies like Amazon and Starbucks, you know, where we've seen this string of unionization victories, they tried extremely, extremely hard to defeat the union. And, and you know, and, and in my book, I explained that, uh, as Professor Masters has explained, the playing field during unionization drives is tilted hugely in favor of employers and against unions. Mm. And one way is that, and we saw this very much in the efforts to unionize Amazon in Alabama, in Bessemer, Alabama, union organizers are, pro, you know, companies have the right to prohibit union organizers from stepping on, to, from setting foot on company property, even not allowing them into the parking lot. Well, at the same time, um, the company can propagandize against unions 24-7. It could show anti-union videos in the break room, in the lunchroom. It could force workers to attend these anti-union meetings with consultants. Some companies even put anti-union screensavers on everybody's computer. So things are really, you know, really tilted against unions. And yes, as, as the listener just wrote in, you know, another problem, you know, explaining why unions have declined in size is that too many unions are not doing enough organizing. They, you know, organizing is hard work. It's often expensive. And, and, you know, and I have written a lot about this, and sometimes union leaders say, yes, I realize in ways we need to do more organizing, but with the playing field tilted so much against us, why should I spend 500000 or a million dollars of my, of my union members' dues money on a big unionization drive where we might only have a 35% chance of winning? Hmm. And others will answer, well, the purpose of unions is to engage in big fights in solidarity to lift our workers, so get off your ass and try to unionize. And what Professor Master says is absolutely right, that the laws, the regulations, the court rulings make it very hard to unionize in many places, and that's why, in ways, it was such a huge surprise that they won in Staten Island. So um, President Biden and many Democrats and many union leaders are pushing for legislation that would make it easier to unionize, but every time there's an effort to pass a law that uh, makes it easier to unionize, it's been blocked by Republican filibusters under President Johnson, under President Carter under President Clinton, under President Obama, and now again against President Biden because the Republican Party and its corporate allies and its billionaire donors, you know, really want to do as much as possible to weaken unions. So it, it, it's very hard for unions, and that's why these, you know, union victories at Amazon and Starbucks are so important. They really are, uh, you know, shining a bright light on opportunities that unions have if they get smart and do things right. And increasingly, you know, what we're seeing at Amazon and, and Starbucks is this very promising worker-to-worker model where workers from inside the places, you know, do a bottom-up effort to lead the unionization efforts, and that's been quite successful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number here on the phones. Uh, we have another listener on Twitter who says, Bravo to Mr. Smalls. I'm a retired nurse, and I worked nearly 40 years at a local hospital. 
I was an exemplary employee with fantastic yearly reviews. I felt forced to retire. I could have used help and support. Not many unions for nurses. Difficult to get unions in hospitals. Uh, let's go to the phones. Tom in Detroit, you're up first. What's on your mind? Hey, uh, how's it going? Um, yeah, I uh, was involved with organizing um, about seven employees at the MoGo um, bike share in uh, 2020, and we did uh, successfully get a contract with the Transport Workers Union in 2021 mm. after about 18 months. And uh, that was a pretty um, powerful, formative experience for me. Um, to be honest, I had been about to quit and then and then decided to stick around and pretty much just stayed on in order to try to get that contract. And once we got the contract ratified, I actually found a job at UPS and quit to go work at UPS. So now um, I'm a Teamster. So I went from a brand new union of <laughs> seven people yeah. to uh, being a Teamster, which I believe we have like 500,000 people. Yeah. So, um, so Tom, I'm curious first about what um, what the working conditions were that led you to believe you needed a union at MoGo or whether you just believe Look, uh, it, it, it's better for employees to be organized. Uh, um, but then also what, what you think uh, was improved, I guess, at MoGo. And I know you, you didn't stay, but you did see them uh, negotiate a contract. What, what was the, I guess, the, even the hope for I- improved conditions if that was the, the issue once, once you got the union? Well, you know, everybody had been very content working there until the pandemic and when the pandemic happened um we saw that the bike share was expanding their business we saw them get a ppp loan um we saw they were not giving anybody hazard pay Hmm. they were handing out quote-unquote performance bonuses to like hand-picked people that they liked or whatever um and we just wanted more fairness, um, better pay. Mm-hmm. You know, there was just a lot of things. They had a handbook that said all kinds of things that sounded pretty good, but then nobody was really getting them, you know? So it was just like, hey, wait a second. You know, you guys are doing pretty well. Let us get a fair shake here. Um, so we ended up getting, I think we ended up getting like a, dollar or dollar fifty raise um but you know it wasn't to be honest the process was well not just not the unionizing process but what we had already seen they had they had just they had already like sort of shown their true colors and the the um management was just so disorganized and the culture in general was like you know i can't I can't stay any longer. Like it was just, it was too, too hard on my mental health, but I just, I mean, I hope that, you know, it will at least create a positive or more positive environment. And hopefully, you know, more people that work there in the future will be active with it. And, 
Um, a lot of people, I think, don't don't understand that you know, the union is the people that are in it, and you, it's really only as strong as the people want it to be who are in it. Um, that's a great that's a great point, Tom. Um, I, I'm really glad you called and and shared your experience uh, with that particular with that particular employer uh, and and the union effort. Uh, thanks again for the call. Uh, Stephen Greenhouse, this, I, I've kind of thrown this out there a couple times already in the conversation, but the effect of the pandemic on the way that we see work, the way that we see ourselves in work, and I guess the way that we see work fitting into you know, the rest of our lives, I, I, I wonder if that is also one of the propellants, I guess, of of some of this interest in in um, in organizing, and whether that has legs beyond uh, the the concerns that people have because uh, you know COVID nineteen is is on everyone's mind. You're absolutely right, Steve. That you know the pandemic is a factor, it's a propellant, so to speak, uh, that's helping you know push a lot of these unionization efforts. You know, workers at Amazon, workers at Starbucks. Uh, workers elsewhere often feel, I busted my hump during the pandemic. I endangered my life having to come into work. I risk catching COVID from these customers who often refuse to wear masks or would cough, whereas, you know, the CEOs were increasing their pay very nicely and all these, you know, $150,000, $200,000 a year, white-collar workers were working safely at home. Yet I was busting my ass and maybe I got a $1 raise, but like big deal, I'm still having a hard time making ends meet. So I think there's a lot of resentment and anger about how they were treated during the pandemic. And that's one factor behind, you know, the greater interest in unionization. Second, I think a lot of people having survived, bravely survived the pandemic feel, if I could overcome something as nasty as that, as horrible as the pandemic, you know, I have the bravery, bravery, I have the courage to face up to my big bad company and try to unionize it. And another thing, Steve, is, you know, with the unemployment rates so low right now, a lot of workers think, well, if I try to unionize and they retaliate against me and they fire me, and a lot of workers usually are scared of supporting a union because they worry about being retaliated against and fired, now people aren't so worried because the unemployment rate is so low. And, and one right. last factor I think that's helping propel the movement is I think a lot of young people, a lot of young workers – participated in Black Lives Matter, participated in Me Too, participated in the immigrant rights movement. And over the past few years, they got more accustomed to standing up, speaking out, protesting. And I think that has also emboldened them to being ready to speak out, stand up and protest against their company and try to unionize. Merrick Masters, um, you you referenced... I'd like to... Go ahead. Go ahead, ahead, Steve. I I was going to say, you referenced earlier... That one of the one of the inspirations for the power of of organizing in the '30s was the the Great Depression that that people were really really hurting. Um, uh, is the pandemic, I guess, similar in that way? And you know, could it have that same kind of uh, pushing, I guess, effect that that uh, that the the depression did? Yes, and I'd like to. Um piggyback on a couple of things that my esteemed colleague uh, said that um, to the effect that the pandemic, you know, in parallel to a Great Depression, I think showed a couple of things pretty clearly to people. One is that they were 
most of them are pretty voiceless when push comes to shove in the workplace, particularly those at the lower end of the rung, so to speak. And that um, in addition, they are subject to the whims of, of management and don't ever underestimate the ability of management to encourage unionization if workers are allowed to demonstrate that. Um, I think that we need to realize that workers, those at Starbucks, those at Amazon have very difficult jobs, very physically and demanding jobs otherwise. Mm -hmm. And that um, they need to be appreciated while they're at work and that they're in a position to know oftentimes how to get things done more efficiently and effectively at least expense to the at less expense to the worker. Uh, they're not looking at it from the top down. They're looking at it from the ground level. They see the customers. Um, they see how things flow, the work flows. They know what the bottlenecks are. And they're in a good position, I think, to address those issues. And they want to be heard. Um, and I think that what, what, what Steve pointed out is something very interesting that we should have on our minds all the time in, in the United States. I'm looking at the Financial Times right now, and they have a data watch section. And he talked about how the European unions tended to be um, in an environment that was a little more friendly to um, in which businesses and government uh, recognize the importance of unions. And they have a graph here showing that in Iceland, the rate of unionization is 92%. And they've got a whole long list of countries, the rate of unionization. At the very bottom is the United States. Hmm. And you look wow. at it, only 10% of the workforce is unionized, only 6% of the private sector workforce is unionized. Uh, and that means that most Americans uh, do not have beyond their market power any voice in the workplace that they can depend on. Uh, and I think that unions provide that opportunity. And it's important to realize at the same time, however, that firms are vehemently anti-union. And I'd like to, you know, you know, um, Schultz has come back um, at Starbucks, and he said some very interesting things recently. Mm -hmm. And one mm -hmm. of the things that he said that I thought was an interesting word salad was that he said, when asked about his views on unions, he said, I'm not anti-union, I'm pro-Starbucks, I'm pro-Starbucks heritage and pro-Starbucks culture, and we didn't get here by having unions. And I think that testifies to the really uh, high level of animosity companies have towards unions. I've been a management consultant. I've worked with management and I have never seen a management team welcome a union, even in firms that they have unions. In fact, I've seen some of the management in those firms that have major unions. I'm talking about big firms. They have advised their foreign competitors on how to come to the United States and remain union free. Wow. Yeah. That's the level of opposition that people face. And I don't, I think that's why it's really important to recognize just how um, magnificent the accomplishment of Chris Smalls is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Coming up next, we are going to continue this conversation about Amazon and labor and the labor movement here in the United States. We'll get to more of your social media comments. Uh, there are lots of those 
piled up here. And we'll also continue to hear from you on the phones. 313-577-1019 is the number. That's 313-577-1019. We'll hear from Harry and Sterling Heights next. If you want to join them, give us a call. Uh, we'll be right back with more Detroit Today. Listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We're talking this hour about the huge victory by workers at Amazon's warehouse on Staten Island. Last week, they voted to join a labor union, to form a labor union that uh, Amazon will have to now negotiate with uh, for things like pay and uh, worker conditions at that warehouse. It's a huge victory because it's so unusual. Amazon has no unions anywhere else. Uh, and if you think about the state of labor in our country, I think uh, any fair description would, would talk about the struggles that it has had, not only unionizing new places, but hanging on to places that uh, have been union for uh, such a long time. We want to hear from you as well during the conversation. What's your reaction to this uh, attempt to form the first union for Amazon workers? Uh, do you think it signals new opportunity to grow unions and empower workers? Uh, or do you think maybe it's just kind of a one-off? It's just about Amazon and uh, its relationships with its employees. Also give us a call and tell us how you're feeling about work more generally right now, I think a lot of people are really rethinking uh, the importance and the role of work in their lives, which would uh, perhaps inspire you to think differently uh, about unions, about uh, collective bargaining. As always, the number here on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page or to Twitter and put comments there, and we can uh, work into the conversation. Big Neo on Twitter says, I hope this is not a blip. Unions are the reasons we even have a middle class. If corporations had their way, they'd pay zero wages. Uh, that's why rideshare companies are pushing for autonomous vehicles. They want all the profit they can get and don't care for humans. Um, Michael on Twitter says, Union opposition focuses on wages, specifically that large companies like Amazon are paying a reasonable wage and that, quote, unions can't do much to increase that. Even if it's true, especially in right-to-work states, which we are here in Michigan, uh, isn't job protection much more important than hourly rate wages? Uh, let's go back to the phones. Um, Harry in Sterling Heights. Harry, welcome to the show. Uh, good morning. A great, great topic. You know, I, I've been self-employed, and I had 13 employees at one time. And if I drove in a Mercedes and lived in West Bloomfield in a half-million-dollar house, I couldn't give my people a raise. There's something wrong. It's like Jeff Bezos. He's got, he's a multi-billionaire. He's he's flying on these ex, uh, the rockets out there, going to the moon and back. And you look at that. Couldn't you just give your people a raise instead of wasting this money? And they really don't make anything. It's it's, it's they're just redistributing. It's like Jail Hudson years ago, but it's kind of unfortunate that uh, it takes advantage of employees. Mm. Uh, Harry, I love uh, the points that you're making in your in your call, and I love that you called to share them. Merrick Masters, I wonder what you make as somebody who's, um, you know, seen a lot of 
the labor history in in this this country. Um, I I wonder what you make of the point that Harry's making about uh, someone like Jeff Bezos uh, or Bill Gates or or some of these other really super uber rich Americans who own companies um, that that pay you know even if they pay what you would call a fair wage. They don't pay anything close to what they could for the workers, given what what they're paying the people at the top. This this wealth gap that's opened up, um, you th- you would think would have inspired more organizing activity in the last uh, a couple of decades. But but I also just wonder what you make of that dynamic and how healthy or unhealthy it is for labor and for uh, even for business, the the American economy? Well, I think it's phenomenal. I saw reports yesterday that the the salaries, which include the stock option, uh, the stock options that executives had, that they increased, uh, you know, in the neighborhood of 20% last year. And that if you're looking at the differential between your typical executive pay, which was about $14 million, this is in the S&P 500, and the, the median pay of your worker, it's, a, it, it's 245 times. Uh, there's been a tremendous concentration of wealth um, recently in the United States and it demonstrates the fact that you have a few very wealthy people that really have individually um, more wealth than the total GDP of maybe 50 countries. I mean, think of it. Elon Musk has a, a personal wealth in the neighborhood of $278 billion. Mm-hmm. That's a huge amount of money. Uh, and I think that when people see that kind of inequity, um, it, 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 it conditions them to believe, and I think correctly so, that the system is rigged. Um, just as um, Mr. Greenhouse said that uh, you have a labor law system that is in favor of the employer and makes it difficult for the employee to unionize. And it's really, you know, even if they're successful in, you know, they were successful in organizing this facility um, in Staten Island, wait until they get down to trying negotiating a contract. Mm. You know, think of the resources that Amazon has to bring to the table compared to the Amazon labor union. Um, if, if this effort is going to get real traction, and if we're going to seize the moment, labor has to find a way to take advantage of the grassroots support that they can build without crushing it with the the institution of big labor uh, and keeping, you know, people like the Chris Smalls really at the forefront of the effort to organize. And and I would be looking for 15, 20, 100 Chris Smalls across uh, various other Amazon facilities to lead this effort. So they need to really uh, catapult this in the immediate sense and uh, get a little as far ahead of it as they possibly can. Yeah, yeah. I want to get to one more call before we have to uh, end the show. Anne in Ann Arbor, welcome to the show. Hi, Stephen. Thank you very much. I appreciate you uh, addressing this topic. I am a union nurse in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Uh, We are currently in contract negotiations with our employer 
who does not understand how beat down nurses are, but I have always been a member of my union because it gives me a voice for the safety of my patients. Mm -hmm. And in my union, it helps us due to the corporatization of healthcare. More, now more than ever, we need the union voice as nurses to fight back because our employers are only interested in profits and are no longer interested in healthcare and the patients. And it's the nurse standing at the bedside of the patient fighting for their safety is the most important thing, and I can do that much better with a union at my back. Yeah. Uh, and, and what's interesting about your call, or one of, one of the interesting things, is, is the focus on the, the, the service that you are providing in your job as much as money, um, and, and that you believe that the, the union makes it easier or better uh, to do your job than, than not being in a union. Uh, Stephen Greenhouse, we've only got about a minute and a half left, but I want to give you a chance to re react to Ann and, and to that point in particular. Sure. I agree very much with what Ann said. You know, workers feel, how do I improve my lot at work? It's hard to do it as an individual, you know, questioning, standing up to management. It's much easier. You're much more effective doing it collectively, that is, through a union. I agree totally with what Harry said in the call. You know, Kristen Small's people at Amazon said, you know, Jeff Bezos goes up into space spending a gazillion dollars on his rocket ship, while Amazon says, sorry, we don't have money to give you raises. And I think, you know, the humongous wealth of CEOs and many investors has really upset workers saying, you know, there's just not a fair deal. Lastly, the person on social media said, well, unions can't do much to raise wages. You know, this person is forgetting the great history of Michigan. You know, in the 1920s and 1930s, auto workers received very bad pay, mm -hmm. um, and the jobs are very dangerous. Then they unionized, the auto industry unionized in the late 30s and the 40s, and, and, and there were some big strikes right after World War II in Michigan, based in Michigan against General Motors. And as a result of those strikes, General Motors, Ford, Chrysler, U.S. Steel, um, you know, awarded these historic landmark contracts that raised auto workers' wages from, you know, being lousy to being middle-class wages. And it was really what happened in the state of Michigan and some of the surrounding Midwestern states, thanks to unions and, and their power, that really uh, raised wages in a big way for millions of Americans that created the middle class. So it's just false for people to say, oh, unions can't do much to raise wages. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, Stephen Greenhouse and Merrick Masters, it really was uh, just delightful to have both of you here for this conversation. Thanks so much for joining us on Detroit Today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Great to be here, Stephen. Great to be you. Be with you, Merrick. <laughs> Good to be with you too, Steve. Take care. All the best to you. Okay, you too. Okay, that's going to do it for us today. I'll be back tomorrow. Hope you will too. This is 1019 WDETFM, Detroit's NPR station. Your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow. <laughs>